Counselor, Comforter, Keeper, Spirit we long to
Welcome you tonight to our Bible class here at the Hartsville Church of Christ. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Kings chapter 2. And we'll be getting into that text uh, in a few moments. We appreciate those of you who are joining us online. And uh, it's always a blessing to be able to come together for a little while and open up the Bible and stay the Word of God. On the back, back there, there's just a, a brief outline of what we'll be covering uh, tonight in our class. Also, there is a newsletter, as usual, and we encourage you to get one of those newsletters and get caught up on uh, the information and things that are going on here. As you look on the inside, on the left, you have our sick list there, and nothing has changed in our sick list. But we do certainly need to reach out and pray and help uh, these folks, and we'll certainly pray for them in just a moment. As you look on the center on the inside, remember that family retreat meeting that is uh, this coming uh, Sunday, and there's information on that. January the 23rd, I think that's Monday night week, uh, will be our first M&M for this year. And it just so happens the cards are up here. And uh, please uh, go ahead and sign up and uh, check what you would like to do. We have an M&M container up here. And Daryl said, do we get an M&M when we sign up? And I thought, that's a brilliant idea. So we're going to get some M&Ms. So next time when you sign up, you can get you an M&M. And it'll just be real, real sweet. Uh, we think of everything around here sometimes. On the inside also, look at the new baby in town and uh, Shepherd Van Thomas. And then um, remember that we have a uh, Super Sunday, the last Sunday of this month. And uh, that'll be at 10 o'clock. And then we're going to have a fish fry at 4 o'clock. And then after that, we'll have a, a devotion as well. And then the nursery workers. Always need nursery workers. If you can help, see the list in the commons area. Then over to the right, on the bottom, our Heritage Christian University annual dinner is on Tuesday, February the 21st. And that's always a good night. And uh, usually Hartzell has the biggest uh, group that's there. And we have a lot of fun. The preachers act like a bunch of idiots and everybody gets to laugh and all that good stuff. And, and it's good. And it's a good meal as well. So... If you could be a part of that, Tim Tanksley is handling that, and just uh, let him know on that line. That's all I want to call to your attention on the newsletter. Uh, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Lord, what a privilege it is tonight to be able to open up the Word. Thank you so much for these great prophets in the Old Testament. We thank you for their life. We thank you for their sacrifices that they made and your great, great faith and commitment that they had for you. And we just pray you'll bless our Saturday night in Elisha. We have those that, that are hurting. 
we have those with long-term illnesses that, uh, dear Father, they, they struggle and the days are long for them. And some are in a lot of pain. Some are in loneliness. We, we, we pray for them, Father. We pray that you give them the comfort that only you can. We pray for Danny Payne. And we pray, dear Father, that, uh, that whatever can be done will be done. And we pray that he'll recover from this heart attack quickly. For Pete Holly, and we pray for him as he's in his rehab. For Danny Lott and the surgery that he is about to have. And also for April Lott and for her surgery. And then, dear Father, Dan Thomas is uh, going through a difficult time. And we pray, we pray for him. We pray to your father that uh, you'll help to lift his burden, that you'll give him the strength to be able to continue to do what he needs to do. And, and we just pray for, we pray for healing there as well. Thank you for all you do for us. We thank you for this church. And we just pray you'll bless our efforts here. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you just, uh, you just come in. Uh, all Bibles should be open to 2 Kings chapter 2. This is Wednesday night Bible study. And we open our Bibles to Bible study. If you were not here with us online or here in class last week, we started about a 9 to 10, I hope, a 9 to 10 Wednesday night uh, series on the life of Elisha, who took Elijah's place. I have thoroughly enjoyed preparing, getting into this, and, and, and lining these lessons out. Um, I think it's because I knew a lot about Elijah, and used a lot of the stories in Elijah in sermons, but I think back, and I, I probably maybe two, two um, illustrations I've used or two sermons I preached on the life of Elisha. And so I've never taught a class on Elisha. I've uh, never preached that really much about him. I've read about him and some of these things, but to get into it. And so it's been a blessing to me just uh, to just be able to dive into this and, and to uh, see about this great, great problem. You've heard me say through the years, we need to study these prophets in the Old Testament. There is just so much we can learn. We pointed out last week that Elijah was sort of the most popular one. Uh, Elisha was in the shadows of Elijah. We pointed out that uh, a great example is that Elijah is mentioned 30 times in the New Testament. And that... Uh, Elisha is only mentioned one time. Tonight we're going to talk about a blessing and a curse. This is the one time in the New Testament that you read of the name Elisha. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha the prophet. And that's it. But as I said, we can see Elijah the prophet mentioned in some very um, popular settings. In, in the New Testament, but not Elijah. And as a, as a result of this, because we don't know all that much about him, we're not 
we don't understand the scope of his ministry. And that's one thing I hope to point out to you as we go through these lessons, the scope of the ministry, the range of his miracles, because it's all about miracles and the impact that he made on his generation because he made a tremendous impact. We pointed out last week that his ministry, you take the 10 years he was with Elijah, spanned 50 years. It was a lot, lot longer than Elijah's was. And uh, his miracles were like, Elisha's miracles were like twice the number of the miracles of Elijah. It's sort of like uh, we were talking about in class or after class uh, the other night, Harry had come up and said, you know, I think the big difference is, is that Elijah's miracles were all flamboyant ones. They were the big ones. And the miracles that Elisha did are just common everyday kind of miracles. But to me, a, a, a common everyday kind of miracle is not a common thing, is it? But it's just not as flamboyant as, as was Elijah's. Uh, most of his work is done in, in helping uh, perform these miracles and they're helping miracles and we, we looked last week as we ended class about the difference in character and the difference in style of these two prophets and it's like daylight and dark Elijah comes on the scene and you know he's uh, authoritative in many ways and then here comes Elisha and Elisha well he's it's more you know sugar it's more uh, light, it's more sweetness than it is as was with uh, Elijah. But don't misunderstand, and we'll see that tonight as we get into the first two miracles of Elisha. Don't misunderstand this, what I just said, and I said last week about Elisha. Because let me tell you, even though Elisha is a much loving kind of guy, and he is uh, more about sweetness than anything else, he wasn't a pushover. And he wasn't weak. And when the people needed to be punished, that had disobeyed God, Elijah, I mean, Elisha, like Elijah, was ready to do it. And we'll see that in the second miracle that we will um, uh, notice tonight. I pointed out to you last week, and I want to say this um, again, uh, that what I want you to take with you from the story of Elisha is this. The message is, when you respect God, and you respect God's message, and you respect God's messenger, you will be blessed. And when you disrespect God, and you disrespect God's message, and you disrespect God's messenger, you will be cursed. And when you see that over and over in the Bible, and you really see it tonight in these two miracles. So... Let's get into these two miracles. Now, as I think about this message about you, do, you, uh, you have respect for God and his message and messenger, it's a principle that sometimes I emphasize in the New Testament. The, the New Testament emphasizes this principle, that in life you always do what is right. And if you always do what is right, God will always do what is best in your life. Now, maybe what you want to do. But if you always do that which is right, God is always going to do that which is best in your life. Well, especially in the Old Testament, the opposite of that is true as well. So let's get our outlines out, 
And we're going to tonight look at the very early, the first two miracles that are mentioned in the Bible that Elisha performs. He performs several, several miracles. And they all have some really significance and interesting, uh, at least reading to me. Now, as we ended up the text, just before we get to the text here in 2 Kings 2, verse 19, remember Elisha had taken the cloak of Elijah and put it on the Jordan River. And it parted. And the 50 prophets in Jericho had seen this. And they wanted to go find Elijah. And Elisha had told them, you're not going to find him. But they kept insisting, and he let them go. And they were gone. And they came back and said, we can't find him. And Elisha says, I've told you so. And in a sense, Elisha was rebuking these prophets. Because they should have believed him and uh, listen to what he had to say. Well, Elisha, Elisha is still, when we get our text tonight, and is all, as his ministry begins, he is still, he is in Jericho. Remember, that was the last place that Elijah and Elisha visited uh, in the sons of the prophets uh, and these schools that were there. And so he's still in Jericho. And some of the people in Jericho... Uh, come to him, and they have a request to make. The text says, the first part of verse 19, then the men of the city said to Elisha. Uh, here's the thing about Elisha, one of the big differences, there are many differences, but one of the big differences to me about Elisha and Elijah is that Elisha was very approachable. He was a very approachable person. A little bit different than Elijah, was it? We talked about him being a recluse, and, and you know, he was dealing with fire, and he was dealing with Ahab and Jezebel. He had to be firm. But over here, Elisha, he's just approachable. He was just that people could go to in the time of trouble. I thought about that. We need to all be approachable. But when you're approachable, that could be a blessing. And it could be a curse, couldn't it? Because when you are an approachable people, what happens? Everybody comes to you, right? You, you, you see that happen. You, you've got uh, a supervisor or somebody at work that's very approachable. And you'll always go to them. Because you don't want to deal with somebody else. The same thing in the family. If there's someone that's approachable in the family and dealing with issues or troubles... You go to that person all the time. It can be that way in the eldership. If there's an approachable one, it's just very approachable, you'll go and you'll wear that same elder out. And one of the things I tell these young preachers sometimes when I go and talk to them, I said, you don't go to the same elder all the time. Don't do that. I said, these other elders notice that. But I know you've got a go-to guy, and I know you've got someone that's very approachable, but just don't do that because that uh, can be a lot of problems. So... We all need to be approachable. We need to have that kind of attitude, but uh, there can be some uh, difficulties with being approachable because everybody, because you listen, will be coming to you. All right, let's uh, continue with our outline. We see this first miracle is going to be a blessing on those who have respected God, His message, and His messenger. The first thing is we break this down, we'll look at verse 19, <clears throat> and we'll see the curse that's come upon uh, Jericho. And notice what the text says here. 
We see this pleasant city, Jericho, verse 19b. Please notice this men who've come to Elisha. They said, please notice the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees. Don't take the time to read about Jericho. An interesting, very interesting um, city. One of the oldest cities in the world is the city of uh, Jericho. It's a very popular city within uh, the Bible. One of the largest uh, waters or fresh spring, fresh water springs in that area is in Jericho. It was a, a big, big oasis. And actually, the city of Jericho is built around uh, this oasis. Now, this is an old picture from, as you see, Al and I or whatever it is. But this is an old, old picture many years ago of this spring. A very, very famous spring. You can go and read about it. Uh, today, I'll show you a picture a little later on where they call it Elisha's Fountain. And that's what they'll tell you. If you go to Jericho today, they'll point out, they'll take you to this. The city's built around it. And they'll take you to Elisha's uh, a Fountain. So from this, from this oasis in this desert area, uh, Jericho came about. So in a way, it was a city that is very pleasant. Uh, in this text here, Deuteronomy 34.3, the south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees. There are other trees that grew, uh, grew there. Can you name one else, the other tree that grew in that area? Yeah, sycamore tree, remember? Zacchaeus climbed up in a sycamore tree there in in Luke chapter 19, it was a, a place that, as you read about it, that smelled good. It was a place that uh, Mount Moab was seen in the distance. And you know how you can be in a valley and you look up and see the mountains and how beautiful it was. And you had this oasis there. So it had and it was a very, very pleasant city. But the problem in the city. And what is that problem? Notice, but the water is bad and the ground is barren. This is what has built the city, okay? Uh, this is what has called all this come about because of this beautiful, powerful oasis in this desert land. And now the water is bad. Uh, the word bad there literally means evil. And then you see that word barren? It literally means miscarriage. Miscarriage. Now what's happened here? There is this terrible problem in Jericho. If the water is bad, you know everything else is going to be bad. The land's going to be barren. People are going to be barren. I mean, it's just, it's just going to be affected all around. What's happened here? It seems like what has happened here in Jericho is a result of two curses. First of all, there is a general curse that goes back all the way to when the people of Israel went into the, the land of promise. Notice here, Moses was saying, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments and statutes which I command you today, 
that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Now you read down a few verses after that to verse 18, and here's one of the curses. Cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. It seems that Jericho was going uh, through uh, this general curse that God said, you know, if you don't do right, this is what's going to happen to your land. But also involved with this is a specific curse. And this is interesting to me. We go back to Joshua 6, remember, and they've come into the city of Jericho and they walked around the city. You remember the story. And the walls of the city fell. Watch this. Then Joshua charged them at that time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and build this city. Hmm. Now, who built that, rebuilt that city, you remember? Think about it. Get this. It was Ahab. Remember Ahab and Elijah? Elijah? 1 Kings 16, 34. In his days, that is the days of Ahab, King Ahab and Jezebel, how Bethel built Jericho. He laid its foundations with Abraham, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub. Ahab rebuilt the city. And what had God said? He said, that, well, what had uh, Joshua said? Joshua said, whoever rebuilds the city, it's going to be a curse on it. We've already seen from Deuteronomy that part of this curse would be, you know, a problem with water and, and a problem with the animals and, and so forth. Now, I didn't read to you the last part of verse 26 in Joshua 6. Watch this. This is interesting. Notice, he laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son. Let's go back to this Joshua 6, 26, when he said, if you rebuild the city, it's going to be cursed. Look at this. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest, he shall set up its gates. That's a prophecy that this was going to happen. And it's the exact wording for Ahab. So this city is under a curse because, well, there has been disobedience. And Joshua says, build that city, rebuild that city again, it's going to be a curse. I like what one author said. He has a way with words. But now the palms drooped dejected. The guards no longer yielded their perfumes. The cattle languished upon the pastures, once so luxuriant. The flocks cast their young in the fold. And the people themselves were afflicted with the disease and early death. That is the curse upon the land. Now, notice what happens. We have the cure. What happens in the cure? Well, let's just break down verses 20 through verse 22 and, and see what happens. Notice the first part of verse 20. And he said, that is Elisha, he said, and bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. Hmm. Now, I look at that and I say, what in the world is a new jar or a new bowl and salt got to do with this water problem? I mean, what in the world? Uh, I mean, everybody knows, but remember they're about 10 miles from the Dead Sea. Remember how salty it was. 
And we know that salt kills vegetation and that it only affects the water that it touches. And you, you look at this and you're wondering, why? Why is Elijah say, Elisha saying, bring me the water and the salt? Any of you like to throw something in on that? Why you did that, maybe? Well, you're like me. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think maybe the, the main thing is, because we sort of want to scratch our head, why? It's just so, it's, maybe we're missing something here in that to show you how ridiculous this is. To show you that this is not, this, what is about to happen, this miracle, is not because of salt, and it's really not because of a new bowl, and it's not because of Elisha. And what happens is it's obvious the power that's about to come about is in the person of God. And I say that because when you skip down to verse 21, you have this phrase, when, when the, the miracle comes, it says, Thus the, says the Lord, I have healed this water. And I think that's the key there. I have healed this water. It had really nothing to do with the salt. And it had nothing to do with the new bowl. And maybe it's just the obvious there is that God is saying, you know, you need to understand I'm the one that's taking care of this. Let's read on verse 20. So they brought it to him. They went out and, 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 and they got it. Uh, what if they had refused? We think If they had refused to go out and get the bow and the salt, do you think they would have been blessed? Do you think the miracle would have taken place? I don't think so. Remember now, those who accept and who obey God and His message are blessed, remember? Well, they go out and they do exactly what the prophet of God says to do here. The Lord blesses those who respect Him by obedience. Now, verse 21, Then He went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water for it there, from it there shall be no more death or barrenness. Now what happens? Verse 22. So the water remains healed. Amazing statement here. Remember now, think back about the curse. Or what Joshua had said. You rebuild the city, it's going to be bad. So the water remains healed to this day. According to the word of Elisha, which he spoke. I told you about Elisha's fountain. You go there today, and this oasis I told you about, a certain section of this oasis, you'll see Elisha's spring fountain. And what's interesting, right at the base of this, right before you get to it, you'll have this little thing. Jericho, the lowest place on earth. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. If I had, I'd forgotten it. 1,300 feet below sea level, 10,000 years old. Wow. Uh, you go to Jericho today and that water's still good. And that water is still as important in Jericho today as it was back then. Back then. God demonstrated how that if you're willing to hear me, respect me, and my message, and my messenger, you will be blessed. Now, 
many thoughts about this little miracle, the first uh, of this unusual kind of miracle that takes place. Any thoughts, any questions or comments? Right, right. Harry pointed out that salt is a healing agent, and maybe this is part of the reason. It could very well be. Uh, I thought, well, you know, we use uh, salt sometimes to purify some things, and maybe that was involved in it, but it very well could be. So what's that, Daryl? Yeah, yeah, to purify, yeah. Any other thoughts or comments about this little miracle? Isn't it interesting? about the little curse that Joshua had placed on this. And Ahab, who we just studied, is the one that rebuilds the city. Of course, there's idolatry everywhere. And uh, it's amazing how God comes and God takes care of this curse. And today, this city still thrives on this oasis there. Any other thoughts? Well, all righty, let's go to the next miracles. This is, this is what a pattern you're going to see. You're going to have this miracle, you're going to have that miracle, uh, and then another miracle. But just some interesting things that go on, and, and I think, remember the basic message that we want to get across. We've already saw well, that God blessed those who respected him and his message, his messenger. In this miracle, we're going to see the other lesson. God, and this is, this is uh, one of the most controversial, probably, incidences in the life of Elisha that we read about in the Bible. You look at what we're about to see in this miracle, and it seems to me that it fits Elijah better, and the character of Elijah better than it does Elisha. Here's where we're going to see. I mentioned to you earlier at the very beginning, don't just think that he was, uh, we'll say you could just, he was weak, okay? That he was just weak and you could run over him. Here's what we're going to see tonight, but that's not the case. You disrespect God, and, and God's man, even Elisha, will deal with you in God's appropriate way. Now, let's begin. Get your outline. Let's break it down. And what we want to see, first of all, in verse 23, is this disrespectful ridicule that, that takes place in the city. Interesting reading here, folks. If you're awake, you need to wake up because this is good stuff here. Then he went up from there, from, he went up from there, Jericho, to Bethel. Now, it says he went up, and of course, as you look on the map here, and you see Jericho, and you see Bethel, yes, even on the map, it'll go up, but as we know, most of the time in the Bible, up and down is referred to, to the top. Topography uh, of, of the land, and it was really going up. Uh, and so it says that he went up. There is this steep ascent that takes place from Jordan and to Bethel. Notice he says he goes to uh, Bethel. Uh, Bethel's interesting. Do you remember how Bethel got started, any of you? Well, remember that um, 
this is one of the places that Elijah and Elisha had gone to visit on his last day of his life because there were a school of the prophets there. Maybe Elijah wanted to, maybe Elisha wanted to, see, I even do it. We just, we just mix them up so often. Maybe Elisha wanted to update these prophets here in Bethel. We don't know why he went, but he update these prophets on what had happened about the death of Elijah. But the city came about because you remember uh, Jacob and remember his vision with the ladder? And, and when all that happened in the vision of the ladder, he wakes up and, and he names the place Bethel. And the word Bethel means house of God. But here's what had happened with Bethel through the years. It too was a very old city. But under uh, Israel, under all these kings that we've been looking at and studying about under the life of Elijah, uh, it became a habitation of idolatry. Watch, let me reflect on this. Now, I'm sure we looked at this verse earlier when we were talking about Elijah, but notice this. Therefore the king asked advance and made two calves of gold. This is uh, Jeroboam. Remember when the kingdom was divided and he's over the he's the king of Israel. He, divided, he made two calves of gold and said to the people, it is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. We talked about that. He really didn't want them to go down there. He didn't want them to become connected with uh, Judah. Here are your gods, O Israel, which brought you up from the land of Egypt. And he set up one in Bethel, and the other he put in Dan. So now Elisha is going into a place where, I mean, idolatry is big, big time. Let's read on now in our story. And as he was going up the roads, some youths came from the city and mocked him. And said to him, go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Let's look at this for a minute. Let's just sort of break this down. And as he was going up the road, some youths. Uh, we need to talk about that for a moment, especially if you have a King James Version. If you've got a King James Version, it says little children. If you had a New American Standard Bible, it says young lads. Uh, the New King James says youth. And that's a, that's a better translation than the one in the King James that says little children because people read the King James and they look at this miracle and they see what's going to happen to these little children and they think, I can't believe this. Certainly God would allow this to happen or whatever. But when you begin to look at this word, it is better translated youth. It's often, most often used in the Old Testament referred to young men. It is used to refer to Joshua when he was like 30 years old. It was used to refer to Absalom when he was even in the soldier. He was a young man. And you see it most of the time used in that context. I find it interesting to note that most of the commentators say that these young guys, these youth, were somewhere between the ages of 12 to 20 years old. So think about that. You got these young men, and they're coming up, and they're saying these things, and we'll talk about what they said in, in just a moment. Uh, what would we call these young men today, these youths? We got words we use, don't we, that we call them? Hulums. Yeah, that's, that's what they were. I guess maybe even more so we would call them uh, gangs. 
Maybe this was, it, it, this was more like a, a gang in our day and time. What about thugs? Okay? Can you think of some other words? Here's the thing about it that gets me, and we'll say this in just a moment carefully, but there were 42 of them at least, probably more. But we know there were 42 of the youths. I was thinking back to my early days. I was in school, I think it was in the seventh grade, and we've all, well, not all, not some of you maybe, but some of us have dealt with bullies. And I remember there was a fellow, and I'm not going to mention his name because I've learned with this social media and this live stream stuff, you would be careful whose name you call out because they could be listening or they'll find out about it. And that happened to me some uh, few, two or three years ago. I used somebody's name and it got out there. So I'm not going to use his name, but I was in the seventh grade. And, and this particular person, he enjoyed the seventh grade so much that he had stayed in the seventh grade for three years. And he was a big old boy. And for some reason, I was a little guy, and he just pushed on me all the time. He'd wait for me. He'd wait for me I, I, after class. He'd make sure he got out to push me down. And, and uh, he would do that sometimes before I went into class. I mean, it was, a, it was horrible uh, what he was doing to me. And I was thinking as I read this, that's just one guy. You got at least 42 of these that are following Elisha into town. I mean, can you imagine what that would be like? Oh, wow. I mean, uh, that, I mean, I look at that, and that just amazes me when uh, I see that. But let's, let's continue here for a moment. Right, let's go back to our verse here. And he, As he was going up the road, some youths came from the city and mocked him and said to him, Go up! Go up! Now, we don't know exactly what they meant here. Uh, it could mean maybe they were saying, some of the thought it might be that, they were saying, you go do what Elijah did. You go up. Or uh, that they were saying, you keep on going. Don't you stop here. Don't you stop here. Whatever it is, the thing we know is Elisha was not welcome, right? He wasn't welcome. Now, let's notice what they said. You baldhead. You baldhead. Brother Crawford, would you like to comment on that or anything? <laughs> I was hoping Jim Reader would be here because I was really going to have some fun with Jim. And I knew Jim would have some smart things to say about that. You bald head, you bald head. I'll tell you, you know, isn't it amazing how we know the exact words to say to people, I guess, to insult them and to hurt them? Isn't it amazing? Uh, get this. In these days... And for you who are bald, uh, I'm just telling you what, what we know, okay? I'm not trying to insult a person's bald, because I'm losing some of my hair, too. I might be there with you. But in those days, it was rare for a Jew to be bald. It was. And to be bald as a Jew in the Old Testament was a serious insult. Now, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. It was just shameful. Uh, here's a passage in Isaiah and so it shall be, now, and this is, uh, this is uh, saying, here's what's going to happen to y'all. You keep disobeying God, here's what happens, Israel. And so it shall be, instead of a sweet smell, there will be a stench. Instead of a sash, a rope. Instead of well-said hair, baldness. I find that interesting. But in that day and time, that was just a serious insult among the Jews. 
if, if you were bald. Well, let's notice this passage. I want you to, to see this. So it came to pass when King Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel. I want you to see that for a second. Uh, the prophets in the Old Testament condemned idolatry. And we see here the prophet, a prophet, a man of God, condemning the idolatry in Bethel. The problem, this school of prophets probably didn't have a good reputation among the idolaters. In fact, they were probably hated and despised. And maybe what's happening here is these young men, as they're following him and they're doing this, they're just taking out their anger because they've been taught this. And, and, and the idolatry is just simply the way of their life. Now, the real problem here is no respect, isn't it? There's no respect to these young men for this prophet of God, and there's no respect for an older guy or an older person. Uh, now, remember... They're being disrespectful. And when you're disrespectful to God, and you're disrespectful to God's messenger, and you're disrespectful to his message, you'll get cursed. Keep that in mind. Because that's exactly what's going to happen here. Uh, do we have that kind of problem today in our country? The youth not respecting those who are older and respecting those who are in authority? Well, we do, don't we? I mean, you, you look at that. We have children that don't respect their parents, and parents don't respect their children, and husbands don't respect their wives, and wives don't respect their uh, husbands, and you have employees that don't respect their employers, and employees don't respect their employees. I mean, you, you can go on. Think about it. We don't respect the property of others, do we? I mean, we, it's every night we, we watch on TV, and we, we see these people going in, and they just, we just, the people, the owners just have to stand there and watch these young gangs and hoodlums just walk out with stuff all the time. There's no respect for authority. There's no respect for a person's good names. While we go out and we gossip and we rip and we tear everybody else apart and talk about people all the time. There's just no respect, is it? Well, we better learn something about respect, don't you think? Surely you got something to say about that. Okay, Daryl makes an interesting point that maybe uh, they don't really want Elisha. They want Elijah back. And, and they're having, Elisha's having a hard time with them. Hmm. Now that could be, I hadn't thought about that, but that is a, a new uh, wrinkle into this that could be going on. Let's read on. Our time's getting away from us. Look at the deserved results of this disrespect. See it in verse 24. So he turned around and looked at them. Apparently they were falling behind him. And maybe he'd been trying to ignore them because it specifically says he turned around and he looked at them and pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. 
pronounced a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Uh, the thing you want to remember here is this, and this is where sometimes Elisha is criticized. Um, this is in the name of the Lord. This is the Lord doing this, what we're about to read, and not Elisha doing this, okay? And uh, in the Old Testament, we don't have time to look at it. Our time's getting away from us. But the Old Testament, the law of Moses taught, you just don't do this. You just don't criticize, and you don't get away with it. And there are curses that are going to be placed on you when you do these things against God. Notice what happens now in the last part of verse the last part. Well, I got, I'm skipping over those. Notice what happens. Two female bears. I wonder why they said female bears. Do you men want to talk about that? Two female bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the youths. Could have been a lot more youths, but mauled them. Now, we don't know what, uh, if that meant they died. We don't know it, what kind of injuries came up on them. But they were mauled. Uh, probably, you know, we were when we went to Alaska, and then we watched all those Alaska shows, and, and females, mama bears, are, they're the ones you got to watch out for. They're, they're the, you, you just got to watch out for it. Maybe that's the reason they point out to uh, female bears. Here's the thing, and here's the story. Bethel learned the hard way. These people in Bethel learn the hard way, and that is you don't disrespect God. And that's what happened. And they disrespected his messenger. And so these 40 youths, or 42, were mauled. Well, let's look. Our time's gone. Let's look at the last verse. Then he went from there to Mount Carmel. Now, we know where Mount Carmel is, right up there. This is where the great thing happened with Elijah. Remember the prophets of Baal? And what would happen is, we're going to see this in our future studies, it seems like this is, becomes his place where he goes to relax, Mount Carmel. He likes going to Mount Carmel, Elisha does. And he returned then from Mount Carmel to Samaria. And we know where Samaria is. Now, here's how we end tonight. He had a house, Elisha did, had a house here in Samaria. And remember from our previous study that Samaria was the capital of the northern kingdom. And this was where Jeroboam was, okay? Or Jehoram, I'm sorry, Jehoram was. And I told you last week that he's more, Elisha's more into what's going on with the government kind of thing than Elijah was. And we're going to see that now. We're going to see it probably in our next lesson. He's back at home in Samaria. He's there where the the king is, and he's going to be more intertwined with that. All right. Thank you for being here. Read, uh, continue reading. Some of these uh, miracles are very, very interesting. Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get out of here. Bow with me. Father, thank you for the time we've had together in your word, and for this great prophet, Elisha. Oh, Father, help us to realize how respectful we ought to be to others, and how respectful we ought to be to, to you and your word. We ask you to be with us as we leave here. Help us to be what we need to be. Through the rest of this week, help us to let our light shine. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.
Sorry, 